Three mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. Welcome to episode three. Tracy has been waiting all week to talk to us about order of operations, and I'm super excited to hear what's going on in her class. And then I'm going to talk about my adventure through multiplying of decimals. So I am in a a master's program to work towards being a math specialist. And one of the things that we have to do this uh, semester is something called a lesson study project. And a lesson study is an idea that came from Japan that apparently is used a lot there. And a group of teachers gets together and they pick a topic that they want to write a lesson about together. And they do a lot of research ahead of time, look at what, you know, different lesson plans that people have written and what the research says. They gather a lot of information and then they write what they think is going to be the perfect lesson. And they put a lot of planning and thought into it. And then they teach it. One person teaches it. And the rest of the lesson study team comes to watch it and write down specific things that they're looking for. So they're they're having an observation, but it's different than other kinds of observation because the people who are observing are invested in it because they helped to plan it. Right. And it's a lot of planning time. Yeah, it is. It really is. And then you get back together and you reflect on what happened. And I think ideally another the next person would teach it and you'd go watch that person do it and you'd change you'd edit it again. So that's the big idea and we they are they've shared that idea with us. And we are doing it on a bit of a smaller scale. Like our expectation is just that one person's going to teach it and then you're going to reflect. So I had to do that. And I um, formed a team with our fifth grade teacher who's also teaching sixth grade math, just like I'm in fourth grade teaching fifth grade math. He's in fifth grade teaching sixth grade math. And then our um, instructional coach. So it was a team of three. And we picked order of operations because it was something that both of us were going to need to teach. I'm not there yet, but um, I'm going to be soon. And then he, last year, his kids did learn order of operations, but he really Mm -hmm. needed to review it this year. Um, So we met and we pulled a lot of different ideas. We, you know, searched our normal places where we um, find lessons, we, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. <laughs> we really did. Actually, it turns out the one the but the idea we ended up going with came off of something I found on Twitter, which is cool. Um we looked I we read a couple of articles from the NCTM magazine, the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics magazine, and uh just a bunch of stuff. So what we decided to go with was a game kind of thing that we found. Um, and we'll put the link of our original source, but we did edit it some. Um, the idea is that you get sort of blank expressions that so that like here, and the example of the first one was um, blank plus blank times blank. Ruth's writing it down because we get kind of mixed up, but we don't. So um, and and then it would go on to the next one, another empty expression with holes for the numbers, but the operations and parentheses and grouping symbols and stuff were already there. So we gave them a set of three empty expressions all at once. And the teacher was going to roll a 10-sided die that goes from zero to nine. And you were going to 
decide where to put the digit that was rolled. Um, and then you had to place it at that point when he rolls it. You can't wait and hold all your digits up and decide later where you want to put them. And then um, you had to place all 10. I think there were 10 or so that were rolled. And then they had to evaluate the expressions and see what each one is worth. And the goal was to try to get the largest value on each separate expression. So kind of like three rounds and you could win one and lose two. Right. But, okay. you're, do, you're, but you're having to decide all at once. You're looking at all three of them. You don't have to wow. fill up the first one before you go to the second one or third so one. So you really have to be on the lookout for where you might be subtracting Exactly. A product. Or exactly. you might be squaring something. If, right. Because you said you used exponents in it. We did on round, uh, like round three. Oh, At, okay. We, because we had done, we did a pre-assessment and there were, there was a, like always, a very wide range of what they remembered from last year. Some kids basically had a hundred, you know, they, they already had it. There were, there were some kids that had got a hundred on the pre-assessment and then there were some kids that had like 20%, you know? Um, so we knew we needed to make sure we had that low floor in our first round that everybody could get it, had the potential to get it right. So if we included exponents to start, that was going to throw some kids off and, and it wasn't going to be the focus of our lesson, you know, so we didn't need to go, we didn't need to start there. And then the other thing was some kids have started to think about integer operations, but but the majority of them hadn't. And especially the ones, probably the ones that scored low on the pre-assessment hadn't started to digest integer operations. And so we didn't put any subtraction in our first round either oh, okay. because we didn't want anybody to end up with a negative number and then kind of get... So what about division? Was it there? We didn't put it that either okay. because... Yeah, of decimals. Because of decimals. And so this is a perfect example. Like, let me just stop there and say that this was the outcome of doing a lesson study is that we really thought through those prob- those particular things. Like if I had just found this the night before on Twitter and I was like, oh, I'm going to use this, I might not have thought through, don't put subtraction in there because they don't know how to do negative, you know, in, um, operations with negative numbers. Don't put the, don't put something in there that's going to immediately cause them to maybe get a decimal Sometimes when they divide. Sometimes that happens just when you're making an order of operation problem yeah. on the board and you just whip up some numbers and do it and say, mm-hmm. let's solve it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, this one didn't work out quite as pretty as I needed it yeah. to be. So, so thankfully, we, um, we, we, we thought of that ahead of time. And I actually made my teammates, I'm like, let's play it. We have to try <laughs> it. And I know everybody was kind of like, oh, I roll. Um, but we caught some of those mistakes. I caught my mistakes. I mean, I had chosen the, the expressions and I realized, oh, I put two in here that have subtraction. We need to fix this. So, you know, point for lesson study because that was a good thing to practice right. to play it together. Anyway, so um, then the big idea from there is that we would um, be listening for their reasoning and proof. We had to have a big idea that we were not just the skill of order of operations, but what was your other thing that you, like the okay. the mathematical practice that you wanted to develop in them. So we were listening for reasoning and proof, and we thought it might sound like um, we should put a bigger number here, you know, this one of, in one of the factor spots, um, because a bigger number 
when it's multiplied, it's going to be bigger than a bigger number when it's added. You know, some kind of generalization or statement that they could make. And we were hoping that they would, they were going to place the numbers in partners. Um, so like you and I would work together with one piece of paper in front of us and talk about it and decide where to put them. So we were hoping we'd hear some of those things. And then we were hoping that the teacher would hear some of those strategy kind of statements or reasoning kind of statements and then would choose those to share in front of the room. So I'm really curious about your partners, too. Did mm-hmm. you have ability partners or did you heterogeneously group them. Right. Okay. So so the whole lesson was written in two rounds where this would happen just kind of generally with everybody. And then we would split up and play again against a partner. So our first um, partnership was random. He uses this like random name selector thing on the board. It's actually really cute. He, they, you know, they pull the name, they, he pushes the button and the name comes up and they're like, Helen Gray. So they all clap. And then they put the pick the next one, Weston. And they all, they all clap. You know, it was, it was cool how he picked it. Kind of sounded like a game show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it was random. And we did that because of something that we learned in the, um, becoming the math teacher I wished I'd had, they talked about how visibly random grouping is very beneficial to kids and it teaches them that they can work with anybody all the time. Um, so we use that as much as possible. Both he and I have really tried to to hmm. like almost do like action research to see, did we agree with what that, you know, the, the conclusion the author came to. So we used random grouping there because it didn't really matter at that point. We thought every it was accessible to everybody. But then round two, we planned it to be leveled. So the kids who had done well on the pre-assessment were paired and their expressions were going to be harder. Gotcha. They were going to okay. have, they were had the possibility of negative numbers and the integers and all that stuff. So if I'm understanding you right, there's now two people playing as a team against two other people or are they they're just... kind of just playing against the room oh got you you okay. know just who, who can get the highest number okay so i think i'll go into some of my reflections right yeah um one of my favorite reflections is that there were two of us observing the the instructional coach and myself and we planned it so that i was going to focus my observations on the students and she was going to focus her observation on what the teacher was doing specifically related to the reasoning and proof part you know the big idea so that's what happened and and it was really cool when we read out, we were supposed to kind of not read out, but share out your observations. And everything she shared was about some of the things that the teacher said. And she was really able to point out some good things that he, some good moves that he had made, like choices as she went along. And everything that I shared was specifically about what I was hearing kids say. And I don't know. I don't know why that surprised me, but it was it was valuable that we were looking for different things. Our obs- we saw the same lesson, but we came away with very different things to share. Um, so, did you had if you had been the only observer and knew that you were going to observe the teacher and the kid? Do you feel like you observe some of the things she like? Did you? Oh yeah, I remember when you said that, or I remember when you did that. Yeah, I. Oh, some of those things I remember. Yes. Um, but maybe when it was the most important was when 
you know how you have like introduce the task and then release and let them work on the task? That's when it was really different because she kind of followed the teacher around the room as he was scaffolding. Mm. And I stayed away from the teacher and tried to listen to the kids that he wasn't hearing. Um, so that's when it was especially valuable. And we and we didn't have the same information, you know. Um, the next thing is that they didn't really talk about it when they were partners like where they were going to place it. And we, I don't know why we thought that they would, but they, they were just kind of like, do you want to put it here? Okay. Yeah. And they weren't justifying it to each other. And it kind of, it, my, my inference is that it wasn't completely random where they were placing it. Like, I think the person who's, it's almost like they all decided they were going to take turns. You put the first one in, I'll put the second one in. And I think there was some thinking involved about where to put it, but they were not articulating that to each other. Um, so if we did it again, we said we would probably model that part. Even if we didn't model it beforehand, we might, um, have a blank one and kind of try to do it as a class and get them to justify well, you want to put it there. Is that is that a better choice than putting it here that somebody else has? Hmm. Um, so that part, the reasoning and proof was hard to see at the partnership point in the lesson because they were kind of refusing to talk about it. Right. And then maybe it's just because it's not familiar. Yeah. But I agree with you that um, reasoning and proof is not something I mean that's I've only tried to use those words in the last year when I've learned Mm -hmm. about it through my program you know so you're right I think that's a that's a practice that we're not in the habit of and and um maybe he maybe we needed to plan a little more modeling into the lesson of that yeah Hmm. I think that's a hard skill even yeah I think you're right that we don't use it and it's so important because sometimes kids don't even know how to articulate mm-hmm. what they are thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And they don't see the benefit of it. Right. Like convincing somebody, well, I want to put it here. You want to put it there. Okay. <laughs> you know. Right. Um, so another observation was that there were all kinds of errors happening in the calculation of, the, like, in evaluating the expression. And... Like mind boggling. Oh my gosh. I was walked to a table and they were they were saying a mistake and I'd walk to another table and they had a mistake and I walked to another table and I'm like, Oh no, what's happening here? <laughs> um and so for some of the kinds of examples of mistakes, um, I watched this great argument, like a very um appropriate argument between a boy and a girl. And you know how when you get to addition like if you're going to do the please excuse my dear Aunt Sally, that's what people are probably familiar with, right? Um, if you're going to get there, you get to um, addition, subtraction. That's what it says in the in the mnemonic device. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we know that you, t- well, you take addition and subtraction because they're inverse operations. You take them as a pair and whichever one comes first, that's the one that you do first. So if you um, had a subtraction before an addition working left to right, you'd have to do the subtraction first. Well, there was a problem purposely because I wanted to see if they knew that or we wanted to see written into it, one of the first expressions. And the boy was 
convinced that you had to do addition first because it's in PIMDAS. It, there's an A before there's an S, you know? And the girl was like, no, you work left to right. And they went back and forth and back and forth. And I think he just was the more persistent of the two people. And they ended up going with addition was first. And I was like, Oh, but it wasn't my job to be the person correcting at that point. It was my job to be the person observing and watching what was really happening, you know. Um, And they even asked the teacher, and this was not a fault of his. It just was a fault of, like, there's a lot going on in the room, and you really have to slow down and listen. Um, And he was like, well, just try it out and see what happens, which I asked him, was that on purpose or did that is that I don't know I asked him what what was your thinking what was your reason to answer there and he was like I don't even remember the the instance you know he hadn't sat and watched the three minutes before that what was happening um and some other kinds of mistakes like when they got to the harder version one divided by six is six um somebody put a zero in as in the divisor spot and they said it was going to be infinity um somebody did something like 5 minus 27 and they put it in their calculators 27 minus 5 you know lots of mistakes um or even just even the very basic ones just simplifying them what was easier to do first not necessarily even left to right just oh here i know this edition and i you know just picking random ones to go so through. i see that in order of operations a lot and i think i mentioned it in the last episode that i very often tell my students, your brain goes mm, to what yeah. is familiar, yeah. and you have to slow it down. Yeah. And like two plus three times nine. Well, two plus three just pops so mm-hmm. easily into your head, and you want to just make it five. And mm-hmm. wouldn't you rather multiply by five than by three yeah, anyways? Yeah. And so I could totally see that, even yeah. if it's just two operations and Yes, I absolutely know I multiply first, Mm -hmm. but my brain just made that a five. And sometimes, like if you are having them copy it out of a textbook to practice, Mm -hmm. they're going to solve some of them and write a different problem. Like they might have just looked at that. Instead of writing two plus three, they would have just written. Yeah, they're starting to simplify. Yeah, five times nine. So Okay, so I have one more reflection, and that is that... um, the teacher, by no, f- not, this was not his fault. He missed all of those misconceptions. And, and it's, and I've been in those shoes. He, when, when the game started, he was in management mode. He was making sure that the partners were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They knew where to write the things, you know. He was really focused on managing the class. And my purpose for being there was listening to the math and the reasoning. And so I heard all that, but he didn't hear it. And that's exactly what happens in my classroom too. You know, if I'm, if I've planned this great task and I really want it to be, I want to hear their thinking. Unfortunately, I walk, I have to walk to the kid who's off task and I have to get them on task and there, there's no thinking happening there yet. You know, I'm missing all of the thinking because I'm in management mode. And so we kind of, we, when we reflected afterwards, we were like, sometimes you might just have to let some of that management go. And you might have to, if you really want to hear their thinking, you got to go first to where people are actually working and listen to their thinking Mm -hmm. um, and go slower. Like you can't walk over and take 10 seconds 
and check in and go, oh yeah, they're doing it. You have to sit for two or three minutes sometimes to hear their thinking, you know? Um, so we've both, like we keep, we, you know, see each other in the hall, like we keep coming, coming back to that idea and thinking, how are we really going to slow down to hear their thinking? Wow, that's making me question what really went on in my classroom yesterday. Because oh. there was lots of math going on, but I was definitely in management mode. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's actually a good time to move to yours. Oh, yeah. so let's hear it. <laughs> so we've been multiplying decimals and we started with modeling. Um, it was, it's been a long journey <laughs> because they just, if I say model three times two hundredths, okay. they want to show me three holes mm-hmm. and a multiplication sign made out of base 10 rods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two hundreds, mm-hmm. and even I mean, no matter how many times you've said you're going to, sh- your model will show me the problem and the answer. Mm-hmm. And so I would walk to their desk and I would say, "Hmm, I see three plus two tenths plus two hundreds." And they're like, "That's a multiplication sign." So it's been laborious yeah. and like. We're going to get it. We're going to keep modeling until I have the majority of you doing it. Mm -hmm. And we got there yesterday. And even I teach this five times. Mm -hmm. And in one class, I just nixed the game and was like, pull out the expo markers. I'm going to walk around with models and I want you to just read them. Okay. So I just changed it for that class because I didn't have the majority Mm -hmm. with me. When can I ask that? Mm -hmm. Are you trying to get them to do rows of or groups of or does it not matter? So... We were doing, we're only doing whole numbers right now. Okay. Times, um, and so groups of is really where most of them are. But then when I say, oh, can you turn that three times two tenths into an array uh-huh. and you walk away, there's lots of thinking going on so and that's you, a little bit harder. So just decimals. in case people aren't there yet, you're, you're saying you're modeling a whole number times a decimal with groups of, so three times two tenths you'd expect to see three groups of two tenths mm-hmm. okay got it so we're modeling it with actual base 10 blocks and we're also modeling it with the number pieces app mm-hmm. um, which allows you to put them together and take them apart and so the end of class we had they had to make a generalization as a class and I told them that we were going to have to remember that generalization for tomorrow and it finally came and I actually wrote down the student's name who said it in each class Mm -hmm. so their warm-up the following day was model these three and write the generalization that we heard from Annabelle Mm -hmm. and the generalization pretty much was if I have two groups of three tenths then they're going to be tenths in the answer so whatever my blocks are Whatever I have, whatever kind of blocks I have, mm-hmm. that's what sh- my answer should be. Mm-hmm. And I do that because a lot of times I get that whole like, well, the very next day they had a problem written on their paper. Three times four tenths equals twelve hundredths. And so I just said, can you read that problem to me? Mm-hmm. And then they and I said, and now can you read your generalization that you got from yeah. Annabelle? And they're like, oh, so it just helped them catch I should have written four hundredths. Mm-hmm. Well, we 
worked our way through that and we got to five groups of four tints. Okay. And we modeled it and I asked them what it equaled and I walked around and over half the class had 20 hundredths. Mm, okay. So I said, let's read it using Annabelle's generalization. Five groups of four tenths equals 20 tenths. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what 20 tenths looks like yeah. and talk about how to write 20 tenths. And I almost blew their mind when I wrote 20 tenths as a fraction. Hmm. Because okay. they were all like, hey, that's two. Oh, wow. Oh. So then I pulled down my flip chart base 10 or place value chart and I put 20, make it end in the tenths place. Yeah. And there it is right in front of you, 2.0. Yeah. And so then we had a conversation about why do we, what's the purpose of that zero that teachers say you don't need? Right. Okay, they say you don't need it because it's equivalent. A zero in the tenths place. Or a zero after a decimal okay. with nothing behind it. Okay. And we came to the realization fi- through specific questioning and funneling that that's changing the name of the pieces we're counting. So two tenths is the same as 20 hundredths. Mm-hmm. And 20 tenths is the same as two wholes. And we had another one where we said that it it was two times one and five hundredths equals two and ten hundredths. But lots of kids just wrote two and one tenth. But it didn't fit Annabelle's generalization. Okay. So then we had to add an unless. So this works when you have a whole number unless you have to regroup. So oh. be looking for... Regrouping because your answer might not be it. And so it's so, just... Wait, just, uh, you went really fast there. Okay. <laughs> um, so you're saying your rule kind of broke when your decimal was greater than one. Is that what you just said? Um, the rule broke when... When you, like, one and five hundredths times two equals two and ten hundredths. Okay. I have hundredths on the left of the equation. I have hundredths on the right. Okay. But because ten hundredths is able to be renamed one-tenth, mm-hmm. tenths don't match hundredths on that side. Okay. I think I got it. So, and I think that's kind of where the students were, too, like... As we travel through decimal multiplication, I mean, we're going to get to a tenth times a tenth equals a hundredth. Yeah. And they're not going to match anymore. Yeah. But my goal is to take what we, instead of just a rule, instead of count the number of digits and move the decimal, we want to look at all of these different things that we are discovering. And the the patterns that are emerging. Right. do it. Okay. So our next step then was... um, a maze from illustrated math. Okay. That's probably going to be really hard to follow, um, but it's accessible on the website. You put 100 in the calculator, and you take any path that you want. And sometimes you're multiplying by decimals, and sometimes you're adding, and sometimes you're subtracting, and sometimes you're multiplying. So I've, you showed it to me, and it's it's like a hexagon, right? Mm-hmm. It's a hexagon, and it, there's all these paths through the hexagon, and on each line 
is an operation and a number. So you might choose this line and it'll say times two tenths and you might choose this line and it would say plus three hundredths or something like that. Okay. And so you have to get to the bottom Mm -hmm. and you have to get the largest possible number. Okay. So the largest possible number is 6,332. Oh, wow. And all I did was give them their calculators and I let them go. And as soon as someone got to the finish line, they could... They were allowed to say their number and write their name on the board. Okay. So, okay, we're going to write up Josiah with a 245. Okay. It was really like 245.697, fill up the calculator with crazy decimals. So that was possible to have. Yes. It, it wasn't built to not to not have things that kept and on going. And it was very telling because there were some students who said, what number is this? Yeah. You know, like to read a calculator full of numbers mm-hmm. and to not have to say thousand or million because you only have 172 in front of the decimal. Yeah. yeah. So we decided we were just going to round to the nearest tenth okay. and say that was our number. Okay. Um, so they were really competing to get the highest number without knowing it was 6,000. Okay. You know, I got 300, whatever. But... There was a lot of management, which is what I was talking about. I was yeah. walking around making sure that they understood that before they left, they had to actually have something written on their paper. <laughs> so don't just put numbers in the calculator because yeah. that was how I could manage it. I couldn't tell if they were really yeah. doing it or if they were making the calculator say hello or... <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> so yesterday or, or something else. Um, so yesterday we had, when we ran, we talked about like how you were going to manage it. Did you give them some free time to just go or did you change that? No, I gave them free time to just go, um, except for my last class, which is one of the hardest ones for me to manage and most of the time it's because it's the end of the day and they're done yeah like the difference between my second period engagement and the end of the day Mm -hmm. is just different because they're tired and so I told them this is what you're going to have to have and you can do it now or you can just work some out first and I did have some kids who played first but what I required was that they pick three paths that they just write and write the answer to. Okay. And then they had to write one thing they noticed and one thing they wondered. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want them to notice I was wearing navy blue pants. <laughs> I wanted them to notice that they were, hey, when I divide, this number gets bigger. Because one of the first paths was 100 times 0.9. Okay. And that equals 90. Okay. And there were some students who were like, oh, my calculator's wrong. And they put it in again. Mm-hmm. And see, this got smaller. And I was like, well, that might be something to notice yeah. without having a big conversation. But then the next part of that line was divided by nine hundredths. And now they have a thousand okay. on their calculator. Okay. So when you're trying to get bigger than 300 and you also already have a thousand, some of my brighter students some of the students who understood that pattern were actually watching what the calculators were changing yeah we're like what's the path with the most division because i've noticed that when i divide by decimals the answer's bigger okay and every decimal you were dividing by was less than one oh yeah so that was really something on this worksheet to notice when Mm -hmm. i divide by a decimal it's bigger and a lot of kids that's what they noticed yeah but the multiplication 
sometimes the number was bigger than one, and sometimes the number was smaller than one. Mm, okay. And when it's smaller than one, of course, your answer is smaller. Mm-hmm. And when it's bigger than one, it's not a lot bigger than yeah. what you started with. Right. So I really had to manage and say, if you're trying to f- notice something, then watch what happens on your calculator in between each one. Because yeah. for them, they a lot of them were like, finish the task. And so they had their path written mm-hmm. and they just put it all in the calculator without watching what happened in between each mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So today I have a list of what we noticed and what we wondered. Yeah. Um, why does, when you multiply, it gets smaller and I'm headed into the introduction of decimals by decimals, modeling them on a flat, a base 10 flat where we're going to color two tenths and three tenths and see that six hundredths is our answer. So, um, you already did a whole number times a decimal, Mm -hmm. like Four groups of three tenths. You already modeled that. Are you not going to do a decimal times a whole number? Like, I know, yes, I know that that's the same thing, but are you not going to do like five tenths of two? Are you not going to do that first before you go into a decimal times a decimal? So we have not modeled that, but Mm -hmm. we have talked about that. So we've flipped those models. I've done that. Yeah. Um, because it's really hard to model yeah. five-tenths of two without just putting one block on, like, I know that half of two, yeah. okay. and here's my model. Yeah. So, do you, I mean, can you think of how you would model that? Maybe. I, it, more with drawing, like, more with um, grids that are, like, take a grid, find two, and then... Um, split split that two i mean it's really hard right split the two into well you could just know five tenths is half and then point out half but we talked about split it into 10 pieces Mm -hmm. you know which would be groups of two two tenths right right do rods if you're looking at it like the holes were flats and then take five of those (laughs) five groups of two tenths i mean that just gets really hard but I wonder if it's worth, I'm not sure. I'm just wondering. So the reason I say that is because I went to a training um, and it was all about introducing fifth grade teachers to fraction multiplication because that's new. It used to be in sixth grade. And in fifth grade, you only have to, when it comes to multiplying fractions, you only have to do in the Virginia SOL um a whole number times a fraction and a fraction times a whole number. You don't have to go yet to a fraction times a fraction. Um, so that made, that makes me wonder, is there thinking behind we should think about a whole number times a decimal and a decimal times a whole number before we ever go to a decimal times a decimal? I hmm. don't know the answer. I'm just throwing that out there. Right. So maybe it's a good... Yeah, I... Maybe that just wasn't a good example. Like, if I were going to try to do two-tenths of two, I would start with two flats. Yep. And break it into... And I would break them all into tenths. Yep. And I would take two-tenths from each 
So maybe those would just be different colors. And if I take two tenths from each hole, then I have four tenths in the end. Yeah. So maybe we can do that. Maybe we can, Maybe there's merit in trying it that way. And seeing that you're getting the same answer as if you thought about it because of the commutative property, you're getting the same answer as two times two tenths, two mm-hmm. groups of two tenths. And then this is a good place to introduce of just in the English language. We don't say two tenths of a group of two. Yeah. We just say two tenths of. Of two. And it means that same thing. Mm-hmm. Because hmm. my, my, th- I, okay, here's a reason why. Because that's the kind of language you're going to use if you're going to ever make sense of what a decimal times a decimal means. Mm-hmm. You're going to think of it as of, you know, five tenths of three tenths. You're going to think of it as half of three tenths. Why not start with whole numbers, which are a little bit easier? You know, why not start of why not start with thinking of a part of a whole number instead of a part of a decimal. Okay, so one and two tenths of two. Now I'm like planning my lesson for today. (laughs) So you're thinking of one group of two and two groups, two tenths of a group of two. Is that what you're thinking? Thanks to the distributed property? Yeah, that's a really good way. So you're not going to just have two there. You're going to have to have modeled that with four blocks because you have to show a group of two and two tenths of two yeah all right we're gonna try this today yeah i'll let you know how it goes and i I could have led you astray i don't know my hair (laughs) but i think this part is so important and there's definitely going to be a time next week when i'm going to say okay we know what multiplication means and you've discovered that the amount of decimals in the answer is the same as the amount of decimals in the problem. And I'm going to show them mm-hmm. the algorithm yeah. and they're going to practice it because yeah. there's definitely a place for it. Yeah, um, because there's some you just can't conceptualize. They're, they can't conceptualize easily. Right. You know? And we talked about this yesterday in the something you were reading where some kids still that's the e- the best way for them to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, you really want students to understand why. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's my goal as a teacher. And my students know that, like yesterday when I said, okay, so you're exactly right. The zero at the end of a decimal doesn't have to be there. Can anybody tell me why? And there was just this like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Like she keeps asking us these hard questions. Um. But there's also a place for the student who can practice multiplying yeah. and moving the decimal. And you're right. You can't conceptualize 365 thousandths times two tenths. Yeah. You just have to know that that's going to have four digits behind the decimal. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I can kind of, like, I think through this and I think what you're walking into is hard and but I I guess trying this and being on the other side of it a couple times, I would anticipate that what's going to happen is there's going to be a group of kids that get it, you know, and you have increased the rigor and the the level of understanding, and some of them are going to get it. And how cool for them, 
you know, because if you had just gone straight to the count the digits behind the decimal and that's how many times you move the decimal place over, they would have never gotten it, you know. So I, I keep making these choices of I'm going to try to get them to understand where it's coming from. And it is worth it because some of them do get it. And then, then you get to the other side and there are some who don't get it. And I'm becoming okay with, at that point, you do need to do some direct instruction. You need to be very specific and ordered about it. And, um, you know, it's okay. Is that right? Is that? I think that, I mean, I think that there's definitely has to be a blend. And I even read something not too long ago about how very often in education we have this full pendulum swing like we're going to do whole language and we're going to completely skip phonics and then it went we're going to do phonics and we're going to completely skip whole language it's yeah. like let's blame something for the reason yeah. that they're not learning and so we just eliminate it and yeah. there's such good things in both of them and yeah. i feel like that's kind of where at this point you and i are in yeah. math like i don't want to completely eliminate algorithms right right because there's a place for them because somebody really understood it conceptually yeah. before they were able to create that algorithm and they came up with an actually efficient algorithm yeah but i will like share this story that makes me cringe he's i don't know it's probably like eight years ago and i remember this day he was a sixth grade jock and he just got everything mm-hmm and he was absent the day that I taught multiplying decimals. Mm-hmm. Notice that I said the day. Yeah. Because the day that I taught it, I said, this is really easy. You count the digits behind the problem. <laughs> yeah. And we got our colored pencils out and we colored all the ones in the problem. And then we had to make sure there wasn't that many in yeah. the answer. Yeah. And he missed that day. And he got, took a quiz and it, he got them all wrong. Yeah. And I remember him bringing it to my desk crying. Uh-huh. Because he'd never gotten such a bad grade. And I was like, it's really easy. You just count these, and that's how many are here. Just make them match. Yeah. Just make them match. Yeah. And he didn't say this, but as he was going back to his seat, he's just crying. And he probably was so frustrated because he didn't know why. Yeah. He had had so much success in math, and I did him this complete disservice because I didn't take the time to explain it. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't right. understand it. Yeah. I just knew what the textbook said, and the textbook said, count the digits. Yeah. And hello, it's been nine, ten years later, and I still remember that day. Yeah. Like that's where I failed as a teacher in that situation because yeah. I didn't have anything else to give him. Yeah. I didn't get to explain why two tenths of two hundredths was so small. Yeah. Yeah. It's just there's three digits, and so put three here. (laughs) And no, don't put the zero at the end. That doesn't count as a digit. Put it in the front. Yeah. It's like we had to just keep making these rules. Yeah. So it comes back to as your teacher knowledge and your understanding of the – as your math content knowledge gets better, you become a better teacher. Mm -hmm. And you become a better teacher by asking people who are smarter than you. Yes. (laughs) I mean – an algebra teacher might not be smarter than you in everything, but she's going to be smarter than me in math mm-hmm. because she's taught it. Yeah. And so there are very many times that I go and just say, help me. I, I mean, I remember when I did partial product multiplication, I remember learning that. And the algebra two teacher coming to me and saying, 
do you know that this is going to set them up for so much success cool. when they get to binomials? Yeah. And I was like, hmm, I don't know what that is, but <laughs> yeah. I will continue to teach it like this. <laughs> um, so. I, you're so right because this actual con, this actual thing of multiplying by a decimal and getting a smaller number. I had a kid one time, you know, maybe five or six years ago when I was teaching fourth grade, and he just like could not accept it. I don't get it. There's no way that could be smaller than just got really mad. And I, you know, I had some understanding. It's probably not as good as it is now, but I tried and tried and tried, and finally I was like go down the hall, go talk to the fifth grade teacher, see if she can convince you. So I sent her down <laughs> to Patsy, or sent the kid down to Patsy. And I don't know, maybe it was just the fifth grade teacher in his mind was smarter than the fourth grade teacher, and he accepted it. Um, but yes, exactly. I had to I had to call in another teacher to try to uh, some other way to explain it that I didn't have. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so we need to say what our takeaways are. Well, obviously, our takeaway is that I'm changing my plan today (laughs) and that I'm going to figure out if there's merit in teaching two-tenths of two instead of just two groups of two-tenths. Okay. Thinking, using the commutative property when you're Mm -hmm. doing a decimal times a whole number. And how different does that model look? Yeah. Okay. And does that affect what happens when you start to do a decimal times a decimal. That's what you're kind of investigating. Look at you doing some action research today. (laughs) All right. Um, My takeaway is this idea of when you release – it's my takeaway from the whole week. When you release a group of kids to work on a task, can I separate myself from the management moves that a teacher does into looking for their math? And and re- just kind of let it go and really focus on what am I hearing them say and and then collect those ideas with the purpose of making them develop or create our reflection conversation after the task. You know, it is so hard, but I really believe it's so important. And um, like in my observation, how much did I learn about the kids and their math because I was able to focus on it? Right. You know, and they love to see their name and they love to hear Mm -hmm. you say i heard yesterday she said yeah because then it becomes theirs Mm -hmm. they get to own what they were learning yep yep all right see you tomorrow see you tomorrow so this is a quick bonus um piece on math before breakfast this morning i have my daughter introduce yourself my name is adelie and how old are you adelie i'm 10 years old and what grade are you in Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Thanks for joining us really early to talk about math. Um, You said that you wanted to share something about um, a a strategy that you have for multiplying by five, right? Yeah. Okay. Did you come up with this or did you hear it from somebody? I came up with it. Okay. I think it's awesome. You you taught it to me. All right. So what if I asked you to multiply like um, 14 times five? What would you do? Um... Well, I would divide 14 by 2, which would be 7, and then multiply it by 10, which would be 70. So 14 times 5 is 70? Yes. Okay, let's hear it again. Let's do, how about 22 times 5? So 22 divided by 2 is 11, and 11 times 10 is 
110. Whoa. Okay. That's cool. So Big number. A lot of kids would like count, but you know, their strategy would be to count by fives, right? Yeah. If when I was doing it, I noticed a pattern. That's how I made this up. So you got it from counting by fives and then realizing that? A pattern. A pattern? Yeah. Cool. Okay. What if it's a number like um, 13 times five? Well, it still works because um, 13 divided by 2 is 6.5. Okay. And 6.5 times 10 is 65. How did you know that? Because um, when you have a decimal and you multiply it by 10, you just shift the place values. Oh, Miss Ruth is smiling. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yes. We don't say we move the decimal, do we? We say we shift the place values. Well done. Dang. Well done. <laughs> Your dad's over there saying, dang. <laughs> um, okay. Is there anything else you want to share with us about multiplying by five? So can I, can I put you on the spot and ask you to do six and a half times five? I just want to see. It's really hard, and we can edit it out, but try it. Oh, she's grabbing paper. Um, well, 6.5 is equal to 6.50, because all you're doing is putting in a zero, and you usually take out the zeros when you're doing decimals. She's a plant. She's a plant. <laughs> and 50 halved is 25, and 60... I mean, 6 divided by 2 is 3, and 3.25, when you shift the place values, it would be 32.5. Boom. All right. Your strategy works. Thanks, G. pretty awesome. Thanks for sharing that with us. You should run with us in the morning. No. (laughs) 